Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted from my studios in Old Hilliard. And uh, we've been trying to get this going for a few days now. Uh, we had uh, some some scheduling issues a few days ago, but uh, we're here. So welcome to Unscripted. Uh, so let me let my guest introduce himself and we will go from there. Okay. Hey, hey my name is Kasim Hafiz. And yeah, I think that that's a sufficient intro right now. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you left a lot out, man. Uh, so you are a uh, British citizen uh, of uh, Pakistani Muslim heritage yeah. uh, who grew up and ex- you were exposed to radical anti-Western, anti-Semitic, and anti-Israel ideas on a daily basis. So I think that's really important. Um, so let me let me start here. Um, the reason why we're getting on today is there's a new film sure. called uh, Never Again. It's a documentary, and uh, the website is neveragainmovie.com. I want to get that out at the beginning so that everybody knows kind of why we're talking, because honestly, I'm completely out of my element, but I, I really, really want to hear okay. your story because I think that will help not just myself, but everybody listening. So again, the film, never again, uh, never again, the movie.com. And, um, and so I'll let you start off. Let's start off by telling us about the film. Sure. Uh, so the film essentially, uh, intersects between two life Mm -hmm. stories. One is Irving Roth, who is a Holocaust survivor who sadly passed away about a year ago. And the other is myself. And it deals primarily with the issue of anti-Semitism, but from two very different angles from Irving, who experienced what you could say is, you know, the the very worst manifestation of anti-Semitism in modern time with the Holocaust. And me, where I essentially was the anti-Semite, you know, born in the West, raised in England, but uh, developed these very strong anti-Semitic, anti-Western ideas. And the film essentially tells each story because uh, Irving discusses with the Holocaust that it didn't just happen overnight. There were things that led to it. There was you know, demonization, uh, all these things. But it starts with words. It's, it's something he would say often. And my life journey had been because of those words that I had heard, had embraced this bigoted, racist ideology. And 
it intersects at our friendship and how we've come from two very different backgrounds to very different life experiences but we had a friendship that developed and essentially the overall overarching message uh, and there are there are so many things you know there's rising anti-semitism in the united states and in the world and, and all these things of course but the overarching message of the, the film is about hope when things seem hopeless there is hope and people can change and, and sometimes we have to reach out of our comfort zone to understand the other because it, it look it is easier to hate and it, it sounds it's not something that anybody really wants to say but it's easier to hate the other they're over there they're different there must be something wrong with them so ultimately we're trying to show that people from different backgrounds people from different experiences people who even may have been antagonistic towards each other there is a middle ground that we can meet i think that's really important uh, especially right now could not be more relevant uh in the times that we live in uh regardless of the topic um you just said, I think if we can find a place to meet in the middle, because there's so many things now that we are uh, fighting against one another on race, religion, right. um, masks or not masks, um, politics. Like there's so many things that we are finding uh, and drawing our battle lines on. And so I don't think I don't, I don't know of a better time for a film that finds a way to get people to come to the middle and have a conversation and realize we're really not that different at all. Um, is, is that fair to say yeah. in terms of the film? Definitely. And that's, as we went through the process of making the film, there was an aspect with the directors where they were like, where are we going with this? And, you know, uh, Cal has become a really good friend. You know, we were at dinner and he went, this has to be about hope has to be about hope over hate. And that was ultimately the overarching, uh, I guess, theme at the end that we want people to take away. Because, you know, like you said, battle lines are being drawn over so many right. things. Ultimately, we're all human and we may disagree, but there is no attempt to actually understand that person's experience or where they're coming from or why it is a, we look at the world sadly through these either very partisan lenses or this very dogmatic right. lens where you're right and I'm wrong. And I mean, ultimately we are people where everybody is a person. They have their own story there. They may, you know, their journey and who they are has defined why they may think or believe a certain thing. And if we're not willing to go, okay, look, where can we, let, let's sit down and talk. Let's, let's see that actually we're not that different. Ultimately, when you strip all these things that you've picked up in your lifetime, ultimately we're not that different. Ultimately, you know, you have to be open to like, and this is a process for me daily, even now I have to be open to the idea that maybe I'm wrong right. about things, you know, maybe an idea, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't understand it as well as I do. And unfortunately we, we seem to have drifted kind of far away from that. So I want to get into your story because I, and I'm going to make a horrible analogy. I'm just, um, as I told you earlier, I'm not that bright. And this is an area that's completely out of my, my understanding. Um, but I'm a sports fan. So when the walls around me are Carolina blue, same, right? Same. I, I'm here. I'm here for okay, sports analogies. So perfect. So, so <laughs> I, my kids, because I, I chose early on in my life, um, North Carolina. So I am a UNC North Carolina basketball fan. My kids 
were somewhat born into my passion. My walls are North Carolina blue, for goodness sake. My wife married me um, and, 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 and wears the merch. My kids have known nothing other than the North Carolina Tar Heels and a hatred for Duke. Uh, and, and this isn't about sports. It's really not. I promise you I'm going somewhere. But again, they've known nothing else. I, I taught them early and often to hate Duke University and to love North Carolina. <laughs> I bring that up because they do love those things because I did. And that's what I taught them early in their years. Right. So I want to transition and I apologize for the really, probably really bad analogy. But I think as I read your story, um, is that not what we do to our children and what you experienced growing up was not North Carolina. It was a hatred or, or a um, philosophy of the West. Is that fair? Can, can you expand on that? Like, hopefully that sets the stage for us a bit. No, no, it's a great analogy. And I have used the same analogy myself, not with Duke, more UF and FSU because I married into I married a UF alumni. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but no, it, it is. It's and sadly, we even today there are there are aspects of this whole discussion which do mirror that sports fanaticism in a way. Look, I, I grew up and everything around me had a particular lens. You know, anti-Semitism was very common. Anti-Western comments were very common. So that, for me, you know, the idea that the Jews run the world or, you know, Muslims in England are victims of the West, whatever that means. I mean, if you think about it in the statement, it doesn't really mean much. But when you're continually hearing that growing up, that becomes a fact. Right. It's not an opinion. Right. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a simple fact. And growing up the way I did, I didn't know anybody Jewish. There was no Jewish community near me to go, okay, here is what you believe, but here's the reality that you're being, you know, confronting that. So you you find yourself in an echo chamber and then like a sports team, you gravitate to more fans right. of your team. Like, why am I going to go, you know, so you're, you get in this echo chamber and it just gets louder and louder. And I find even today, look, I am unapologetically, you know, I support the state of Israel. Uh, or, or, or advocate for the state of Israel. I think support is the wrong term. Uh, but when people hear that, they look at it in terms of like a zero-sum game, that if I advocate for Israel and it's right to defend itself, then I hate the Palestinians and Arabs. And it's like, no, like this isn't sport. This is right. real life. Right. And we see that on college campuses where people will pick a side and the other side is now automatically evil and they will wave the flags, wear the merchandise. And it's like, People's lives are being destroyed every day because of this yeah. conflict. They are like actual lives are being impacted. And the worst thing we can do is treat it like it is a game of sport because we're so far removed. We're so far removed from the reality on the ground. We have our version of events and we stick to that. And ultimately, who's that helping? Right. Right. You know, right. in the same way, you know, being a sports fan in the stands. You're making a lot of noise. It helps the team. When you're sitting at home on the, t and I do this myself, I can scream as loud as I want. Nobody in that arena is hearing right. it. You know, no, nobody in Gainesville is hearing right. me screaming right. at my right. TV. And you know, and that's sadly what happens. And 
you know, it's it's a huge challenge we have today just across the board. But that's something, you know, it is like it's a good analogy, though. You you grow up in that and you have to you have to go past that because, look, I am a sports fanatic like there is, you know, I really am. But this is not sport. What is happening in the Middle East no. is not sport. No. Bigotry and racism, be it anti-Semitism, be it you know racism against African Americans, this is not sport. This is real life with real nuances, and we need to try and understand. We don't need to take strong dogmatic positions about things that we're not experiencing, don't understand, and ultimately things that aren't directly impacting our mm-hmm. lives. Uh, and that's, you know, just to, sorry. No, no, you're good. I, Cause I think we're on the same wavelength. And again, I hate, I hate to take it back to sport, but, um, the next question I had for you, I have two, one. Um, so last night, uh, the Boston Celtics, uh, their best player right now is Jason Tatum. Uh, and I hate to take this back to sports, but yeah. Jason Tatum played at Duke. And so by my upbringing, by my hatred of my enemy, uh, I should hate Jason Tatum. But what I do have is a really healthy respect for the fact that Jason Tatum went to the university that I don't care for. But he is a human being who is incredibly talented, and he's really good. So, you know, I, I think I think uh, we, we can still I, – I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. I, again, I'm completely out of my element. But I, I think just because you despise something doesn't – and I think you touched on this a minute ago. You are pro-Israel. Um I'm not pro Duke, but I, I am pro their players who are very talented and, and I recognize and respect that they're very talented. So that was a, just something, I don't even know if you can do anything with that. Uh, let me ask you this. So no, I, honestly, go ahead. you go ahead and then I have one more question for you. No, it, 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 so at, at 38, I had the brainwave that it was time for me to unretire from boxing. Mm-hmm. So I fought on it a few weeks ago for the first time and, you know, there's two guys, we're, tr- we're trying to beat each other. We're physically beating each other. But after the fight, we shake hands, we hug it out, and we, you know, we're talking about, hey, where's your family from? And, and that's the thing. Like, in that moment in the ring, we are two competitors on opposite side. But there is respect for each other as human mm-hmm. beings. And I, I think, you know, in society, we, could, we should take a page out of that right. book. Like you can disagree fundamentally on certain things, but I can respect you as a person. I don't now berate you as a human being, which is kind of where the discourse has gotten to because you think differently to me, you are now evil and a bad person. And uh, like it's it's not productive like that doesn't open doors you're you're sealing them shut because it's so and especially in a social media world it's so much easier because i'm behind a keyboard and i'm look, not looking you in the eye and and it's a lot easier for me to right. spew my hatred or my belief when i don't have to physically look at you in the eye which is so different than probably the way that we grew up um another Bad analogy, but let me ask it. Um, if my if one of my daughters came home today with a Duke sweatshirt <laughs> and said, "I am all in. Um, Coach K is my favorite. I I I, I love Duke. Uh, I want to go to Duke." Like she, if she was all in, that would not be received well in our home. So, as you again, again probably really bad analogy, but uh, it does exist. You grew up in a di- very different. Um, upbringing 
than where you are today. It, it, first of all, is that right? And second of all, right. how was that received in your home? And, and third, how did you battle that? Uh, so probably about as well as somebody from, you know, coming home with a Duke sweater, essentially. Um, <laughs> it, so it wasn't well received. Um, right. but, but there was, I think it's, it's, because of the level of vitriol and the level of, I would say, the level of ignorance, it was met with a very harsh response, not only in practical terms, but, you know, I was getting death threats and friends that I grew up with just were like, we're done. And the challenging thing of that is I... Again, at the time, like I'm going to be very honest and, and blunt. At the time, for a few years after that, you know, after leaving England, I was very angry. And mm -hmm. I found myself almost lashing out at my previous background, you know, uh, of being Muslim. And you kind of, and look, there are people today who grew up Muslim and have left the faith who have a very aggressive and I would say bigoted view of Islam. And look, I'm sure they're dealing with hurt and all these things, and that's fine. But I moved past that because I thought, one, my experience is not, because my experience is not fair to me to tar over a billion people, you know? Right. right. And on top of that, it's, it's, you know, I have a platform of sorts. Am I going to use this platform to, you know, spread bigotry against other people? Like, here I am going, okay anti-Semitism is wrong, but then I'm going to demonize a billion Muslims. I mean, so it, it, it's taken time for me to mature in myself in terms of having the negative response I did. I'm feeling hurt by that, but moving past that because it is a lot to, especially when you grow up in an ethnic minority in the UK, like the Pakistan community, which is very tight knit. And, you know, it's, like one of my challenges living in Canada and the U.S. is as much as growing up, growing up in the Pakistani community was a nightmare because everybody knew your family. You couldn't do anything wrong ever. Right. But it's those elements I now miss. And, you know, you, you see, I think as you grow older, you see the positives that you probably didn't see when you were younger. And it, it, for me, it's looking past I won't say looking fast. It's seeing the reaction and understanding the reaction. Doesn't mean the reaction was okay or justifiable or, you know, my family's decision to really not talk to me. I'm not justifying any of that. But when you have been, when you've grown up with the same ideas that I grew up, that literally the Jews in the West are evil. And then all of a sudden you go, hold on guys, that's not the case. Like this is the reality. I'm sure it feels like a betrayal. And, for me, I, I think my expectations were unrealistic of the people I grew up around. I was expecting them to go from where I was to where I, where I am now or where I was then, where I'd moved. Where, and I think you see this in the Middle East now with you know, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain establishing relations with Israel. It takes small right. baby steps. You've got to walk alongside people and not lead them. And, and that's something I've had to learn. You know, Even if I go back to my you know when i was speaking on campuses four or five years ago i was a lot more confrontational and and that was more to do with me and where i was at 
and you know i've matured i would like to think in some respects <laughs> um and see that you know this you can't talk about peace and you can't talk about fighting hatred by fighting hatred with more right. bigotry like it, it it just that doesn't work and again like that's something which is kind of common today you see people going well this is horrible and bigoted let me spew my own bigotry towards that group right. to fight that bigotry and it's it's this circle it's almost the two extremisms need each other to exist mm -hmm. because they feed each other and the other side promote fear of the other and it, it's just this awful circle and there has to be a point where we step out and go okay like who is this helping at this right. point the film is probably a really good place to start in terms of understanding because I think there's a lot covered in the film and, and it helps us because we see your journey. Yeah. Um, for those listening, you mentioned we, we have a tendency to armchair quarterback and, and, and uh, because how we were raised or because what our social media feed feeds us or because you said it earlier, um, I have a ton of Tar Heel fans on my Twitter feed because that's what I've groomed it to become. I, there's nobody from Duke, right? So I get one, I get one side <laughs> of the panel. So I think for people to grow their understanding and to be able to have a conversation over in a coffee shop or uh, over a drink or over a meal or, you know, wherever it might be, we have to understand the other person. So how, how would you recommend for anyone listening to this, how can we start to understand the Muslim community or the anti-Semite community? How do we, how, where are there resources that you would recommend having been in both? You know, like I could tell you, Hey, if you, if you hate, you know, Carolina, here's the, here's four things you should go do right now. And I guarantee you by the end of that fourth one, you're not going to hate Carolina anymore. You right. know what I'm saying? Again, bad analogy, but, but, um, right. Are there are there some resources or ways that people can maybe grow their understanding? Because I think the more we understand one another, the harder it is for us to sit there and armchair quarterback or send off that mean tweet. Right. No, I honestly I think the most effective way, and I I think we're really fortunate in the United States that we have such a diverse community mm -hmm. of all faith groups and all ethnicities is get to know someone from the Muslim community, get to know someone from the Jewish community, right. because that humanizes it. The, 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 you know, the person from the Muslim community is no longer seen through the lens of 9-11 or a terrorist attack. This is a human being with children, with a family, who is probably, you know, a diehard Carolina fan too, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's, that's right. Right. yeah, that's not the lens we see things through. Right. We, you know, uh, and same with the Jewish community. Like, we need to humanize people. We need to just get back to that very basic, you know, you're my neighbor and you're a human being. And, and then, like, okay, this is part of your life. This is part of your life. And with any group, look, the Muslim community is not monolithic. You have a plethora of beliefs, a plethora of ideologies. And that is with any big group of anything, a country, a community. You're going to have good people. You're going to have bad people. You're going to have, you know, bits and ideas and, and theologies that you may not agree with. But that's okay. Like, that is okay. You, If we all thought the same, you know, we'd be in North Korea. And right. I, I'm good. Right. You know, I have no desire to be in North Korea. Right. So I think it really is going outside of our comfort zone. I, I think that's so important. I, it's Because there are things you can read and there are, but I just think 
exposing yourself to actual people is it's life changing. You know, go, travel, go to Israel, and and if you go to Israel, go and see both sides. Don't go with the idea I'm going to see this one stream of what's happening because the Middle East, especially, there is no real black and white. There, there's some good and there's some evil, but there's a lot of gray. Uh, and people, again, are shaped by their experiences. And your experience may not be reflective of the, the whole reality of history, right. but that doesn't mean that your 20 years and how you've viewed the world hasn't left a deep impact on how you view the world. And I think it's really important to explore those nuances because, like I said this recently, a friend of a friend uh, reached out and said, hey, I have somebody who trains with me who is going to the Middle East and, you know, would you mind just talking to him? Uh, just to, So he's going to um, the Palestinian territories and we talked a bit and it was very clear that he has, I want to say in a gen, he has a, how he sees the Middle East. And the way I see the Middle East clashes with his view. And he kind of just, you know, stopped interacting, which is, which is fine. But I, I just think if you really care about people, if you really care, look, ultimately the goal for the Middle East, for the Israelis, for the Palestinians, for the Arabs, is peace. Like, we don't want any more people to die needlessly. Right. Like, that is, that should be, that's the most positive thing we should can be. do. Yeah. And if you care about that, then you want the truth to be told. You want... And you don't want to go, look, the last thing the Middle East needs is more people external to the region causing more issues, you know, or exporting a conflict that is happening in the Middle East to the streets of New York or Los Angeles, like we're seeing with, you know, the anti-Semitic attacks happened in the U.S. during the last conflict in May. Like, this is not helping anybody. It's just it's further poisoning future generations and future people in the conflict or people involved. I mean, look, if you are Jewish or you're attacked in LA because of something happening in the Middle East, what sort of view is that going to leave? Are you like, how are you now going to view the Palestinians and the people protesting and attacked you weren't even Palestinian. You know, they were probably from wherever. So we've got to be really careful in, how we interact with the conflict, but also careful not to perpetuate it and make it worse. We're so quick in this country to judge people. And unfortunately, Martin Luther King talked about this um, by the color of their skin or their ethnicity or their, where they came from versus the content of their character. And um, you mentioned nine 11, I think nine 11, you know, we, we just, anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine, I can't, again, I'm completely out of my element. I, I'm not, I, I don't know what that's like. I've, I was born in America. I've lived in America. Um, I have my views because of what my parents viewed, you know, but I, I have tried very, diff, you know, very hard in my life. Um, I have a political party that I, I lean towards. And, but it doesn't mean that I can't hear what the other political party is saying. It doesn't mean I agree with them. And I think, you know, to your point, I think what we do is we, we tend to promote or everybody thinks the loudest voices in the room are the ones that always get the attention, but doesn't mean that's the most 
important. If there's a hundred people in the room and three of them are really loud, everybody's going to get the attention of the three. It doesn't mean that the other 97 in that room agree. It just means that those three are the loudest. Right. And it tends to be the people that are the quietest that are really the majority. And, um, I, th- you know what right. I mean? So I think, I think, yes, you have your radical right. You have your radical left. You have your radical Islam. You have, you, you have radicals that, that, um, again, that's the three people in the room making the most noise, but that doesn't mean that's the majority. And just because someone is Muslim or Jewish right. or black, white, it, it doesn't matter whatever it is. It doesn't mean that's the majority. It's just the one that gets everybody attention. I think has always kind of been my perception right. is I, the more I get to know people from whatever we're talking about, um, the more I realize they're not, they're not the loudest people in the room because that's the one that's just getting everybody's attention. Right. Does that make sense? No, a hundred percent. And that's, you know, I sometimes think that when you're on social media and you see the stories that are shared and it, look, it's disheartening. Right. And I like my advice is step outside right go outside you will see people from different communities living together working together you know and you will see people feeding the poor you'll see people doing good things in your community sadly people on social media thrive off good news we we thrive off doom and gloom it's it's sad but that in my experience that's the way it is but if you step outside there's a lot of good Mm -hmm. happening 100 percent Okay, I've taken a ton of your time. The Never Again uh, film. Um, let's just talk about that again. What can people find when they go? Uh, first of all, where can they find it? And second of all, what can they expect when they watch it? Sure. So it will be coming to Amazon Prime streaming, okay. uh, I believe, on June okay. 7th. And I think there's a DVD release uh Two weeks after, I should be better prepared for this. No, you're but fine. You're around fine. Uh, June 22nd, I believe. Uh, so you're going to hear two divergent stories. You're going to hear from Irving uh, just the process of what words can do, and, and I think it's even more. It resonates even more in the things you discuss with social media. We are putting words out there. We uh, are stoking the fires of hatred and bigotry. And thinking like it's fine, it's it's just a tweet, it's just a comment on someone's mm-hmm. Facebook, but you don't know what influence that can. Like that's how it always right. starts. It did these awful, be it you know the Holocaust or atrocities, they don't start in a vacuum and just happen. Right. Um, but we also have the tendency to look at the Holocaust as ancient history, and with my story, it shows how uh, this is still happening today. Sadly. But it also shows that there is, people can change. There is opportunities for change and healing and finding a way together. Like ultimately, and it it sounds really cliche, we are stronger together, be it as a community, be it as a country, be it as whatever level you want to take it as. When we work together, we have so many strengths. And I think... For me, growing up in the UK and, and living in both Canada and the US, which you know I'm very fond of both countries, I something I admire in the US and Canada that I've seen, which is something I didn't experience in the UK, there is a real appreciation where you can be proudly, you know, Puerto Rican or Mexican and American. Right. Right. You yeah. know, there there is space, and of course, you know, there are always people who are going to have an issue with that, but there is a huge appreciation where you can have. You can coexist with both parts of right. who you are. 
I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, we're, we're taking these beautiful aspects of culture from other places in the world, and they're also being part of this fabric, which is America, and it makes us better. It makes us, you know, just stronger and just have a better mm-hmm. outlook. And, you know, people always people always give millennials a hard right. time, right. you know, all the time. It's kind of like, but look, the millennials have spoken out against injustice they've tried to build a better society a fairer society a more equal society and look and and try and get better and i I, look i don't think that's something that we should overlook you know we can make all the jokes about social media Mm -hmm. and millennials on tiktok but you know it's been millennials fighting the battles in afghanistan and iraq it's the millennials fighting the battles here in the united states for justice and for a better tomorrow for everybody. And I think that, you know, it ties into the film that sometimes we don't see, we, it's very easy to overlook the good because we focus on the negative. Right. And look, I am maybe, I'm one person, Irving was one person, but if our story and our friendship impacts two more people and they talk to two more right. people, it's how things right. change. You know, the, the the idea that there's this silver bullet to change the world is, it's just not reality. But if people are having conversations, people are, if, if it pushes people from an extreme to even a halfway point, that's a win for me. I, I look, radical extreme change is mm-hmm. very rare. And, and that's fine. But if you're talking and you're engaging that means you're open to to other ideas, and that's that's important. Again, horrible analogy, but when I, I love music, so when there's music on, I'm I'm in tune with music all the time. But if somebody hits the pause button, I'm like, what happened? Like like you know, you interrupted my music. Some people like music just in the background; it's just right. noise that's back there. But you know, so if the, somebody hits the pause button, yeah. maybe they don't notice it. Maybe they do. I think this is this film is a chance for. I'm a radical music listener, I guess is my point. Uh, I, I'm all in, and I'm I'm 100% in when I hear music. If somebody hits the pause button, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop for a second. And go, what's, what's you know? I, I'm gonna it's gonna interrupt my thought process. I think is what I'm trying to say. And this is again terrible analogy, but for some people, it it may just be like, oh, music's not playing anymore. Um, I think this film has the opportunity for anyone that has certain extreme views to hit the pause button for just a second and interrupt your listening or your view long enough to pause and, and at least respect the views of others. And, and maybe it's not the view that you think. Maybe someone says, I like Duke and, and here's why, you know, right. Not to take it back to that, but, but it's a pause long enough for me to understand. Okay. That's fine. Coach K won a bazillion games. Awesome. And respect the fact that the man won a lot of games. You know, I still don't. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Again, terrible analogy, but, but, I, but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's okay. I'll respect the fact that he won a lot of games. That means he's a good coach and there were good players that played for him. Right. right? I think that's the chance that we have with the film is to, to press pause for just a second. It, it may not be, or at least if nothing else, just interrupt your current view long enough to respect that of someone else. That was a really long way to get there, but I think that's right. what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, no, I think that's a, a really important point. I think if it 
can do that. It, look, if for me, if you are holding a view that is, especially if it's hatred or bigotry, and it, it, it's such a big part of mm-hmm. your life, what do you got to lose from maybe exposing yourself to? If you're so if you're so convicted that you have the truth, you've got nothing to lose from spending an hour and a half seeing a different perspective. And if it's like, no, I still believe what I believe. Okay, that's you know that that's up to you. But what do you have to lose? Awesome. Okay, so uh, you said Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime, correct? Yeah. Uh, the film, the website, probably the best yeah. place is the website. The website is neveragainthemovie.com. You can find it on Facebook at Never Again Movie, Twitter at Never Again Movie, and Instagram at Never Again Movie. Um, I recommend it highly. Find that on those socials. Again, I'll run through them. Website, neveragainmovie.com, and Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, neveragainmovie. Um, find that. Uh, it sounds like it's on Amazon Prime, potentially coming out on DVD, I think you said a week later, maybe? Yeah, so June 7th, Amazon, and then about a week later, it'll be out on okay, DVD. So we're just a few weeks away from that coming out. Please take, please, please honor my guest enough to take the time to watch the film. Um, I think all of us, it's good for us in, in this information age and with bots and spam and uh, there's so much we're inundated with. Um, it's good for us right. to at least find truth, seek truth and for a minute pause and just respect that story of someone else. So thank you for making it. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate your time and thank you for having me on. Uh, so one last question. Do you like Duke or Carolina? <laughs> so- I'm going to say Carolina. <laughs> In this instance, I'm going to say Carolina. Go. Hey, we can respect each other, right? And even if you would have said Duke, I would have, if exactly. you would have said Duke, I would have said, that's okay. I respect that. Like I have a lot of friends that are Duke friends. So anyway, that's the point. I think I have a lot of friends that are Duke friends. Anyway, thank you so much. Thanks for putting up with my analogies and my really uh, bad references in terms of this. But uh, thank you for making the film. It's impactful. It's important. And uh, I welcome you back anytime. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll see you next time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 